You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. You can follow the man on Twitter at Robert Mays, and he can check out the Athletic Football Show. Check out the podcast. And uh, just go to The Athletic, and you'll find it there, an NFL writer for The Athletic. It is Robert Mays, where you also can get excellent recommendations for restaurants if you're in or around the Chicago area. Robert, thank you so much for joining the show today. Happy to do it. Appreciate having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Robert, uh, I want to start here. We were doing our, our top five, top five most likely options for Tom Brady. I'm going to throw four by you, and you tell me which one you think is most likely or which one is least likely. Are you ready, sir? Let's do it. He will become the backup point guard for the Raptors after they trade Fred Van Vliet. He will star in Benjamin Button Part 2, a movie about people where age and the human body don't seem to mesh. He will work for the government to deal with financial fraud after what FTX did to him, or he joins the San Francisco 49ers. Of those four options, most likely, least likely. I think the first one is the least likely. I think the playing football in any capacity is the most likely. I don't know. I, I mean, one of those people that I'll believe it when I see it that he's done. And yeah. oh, watching yeah. last night and how it ended, I just have a hard time believing that he wants it to end that way. Now, this is somebody that kind of feels like he came back partially because he didn't like the way that people twisted the story at the end. And I think that he really cares about that kind of stuff. And you know, there's no way to know. There's no way to know what his motivations are right now based on what's happened in his personal life this year. And there's so many different factors. But I just truly believe that he'll be done when I see it. And so that's why I'm going to bet on him playing again next year. All right. So no for him becoming the uh, get 20 minutes a night off the bench for the Raptors. It's a bold take by you, Robert, but I will accept it. Um <laughs> looking, ba- looking back at this last weekend, there was a couple main things that stood out for me, and I'd love to get your take. The first is, is there any team who makes life easier for the quarterback than what the 49ers do for Brock Purdy? No, I don't think I've ever seen a team make it easier than they do on him. I mean, it's remarkable. It, Kyle Shanahan feels like he's been trying to build this quarterback-free machine in San Francisco over the last you know, three or four years as they've assembled all this skill talent, and he's almost done it. And I think Brock Purdy has been really good for a seventh-round rookie quarterback, and the fact that they can continue to roll like this, and they're now the favorites in the NFC if you look at the betting markets. That's incredible, and that's a testament to what Brock Purdy has been able to do. But let's be real about this. I mean, this is about what Kyle Shanahan has built there. The, the ease of the throws, the amount of space created, the flexibility of the personnel, what those guys can do after the catch. When you look at Brock Purdy's final numbers, and you know that'll be a 74-yard touchdown to Debo Samuel that we saw. Look at how that 74-yard touchdown came about. It's yeah. a combination of scheme, offensive play calling talent, and personnel. And that formula and that overall recipe is unlike anything I think I've ever seen before. 
Were you amazed with the confidence of Trevor Lawrence, who throws four interceptions in the first 28 minutes of the game and then four touchdowns in the last 32 minutes of the Jags' win over the Chargers? No, I don't think so. You know, this is somebody that he turned the ball over a decent amount last year. You know, he has never been afraid to take chances. I think his makeup is just right. He understands that you need to take some of those chances. I'm sure just like us, he understood why some of those plays turned into interceptions in the first half. You, know, you got a tipped ball. You have what is clearly a defensive pass interference that was not called or an illegal contact. And science, the playoffs, you let him play a little bit. And then you have a couple where he was forcing it a little. And you know, this is somebody that I think has always had just the overall correct dynamics for the position. And Saturday was a perfect example of that. And he's been really good this year. He was really good this year. I think that's kind of what people may not really appreciate is that he threw some bad interceptions this season, but they were mixed in and overall part of really, really good quarterback play. I mean, this guy was a top 10-ish quarterback all year, despite some of the high-profile mistakes that he made, whether it be in the London game against the Broncos or some other moments where he throws a bad red zone interception. But this guy was really, really good, and I'm really glad that people got to see that side of him in a huge moment on Saturday. Oh, yeah, and, uh, you know, somewhere hopefully Urban Meyer was taking a long look in the mirror and not liked what was looking back at him. Um, sticking with quarterbacks, again, joined by Robert Mays, great writer, and you got to check out the Athletic Football Show podcast, all part of the athletics coverage of all things NFL. Do you, like, and I'm going to tell you right now, I have flip-flopped. I'm a Giants fan. I'm overly emotional. I, um, I still remember Pepper Johnson. But do you view Daniel Jones any differently today? And I know Minnesota has a lousy defense. How do you view Daniel Jones today than, say, a month ago? I think that it's, I'm definitely a bigger fan of some of the stuff that he's doing. I still think that we should all sober up a little bit after the season before we decide what we're going to do with Daniel Jones. And I feel like in the middle of the year, when they were struggling a little bit, I think it was the Jacksonville game that they won. But it was back and forth. It could have gone either way. There were a decent amount of those games in the middle of the season. And I remember talking to somebody in the organization, and and they kind of had a pretty – good logical view of where they were they understood that it was going to be a little while and they were probably a team that still needed to retool a little bit and in that moment it kind of felt like they would let daniel jones test the waters in free agency there was going to be a line in the sand they would draw financially and if he had to cross it then they would be willing to let him go it kind of feels now like they'd be more incentivized to leverage themselves a little bit more to bring him back i still think that you have to make a decision with the long view in mind. And we've seen teams do this a lot, where they lock themselves into a long-term deal with a quarterback who is not an elite quarterback. And I still think that Daniel Jones doesn't crack that elite quarterback tier. So I feel like if you're the Giants, you'd have to figure out a solution that makes sense for you and for him. And maybe that's a short-term deal with, you know, a decent amount guaranteed in the first year, you have him be your quarterback in 2023, and you leave yourself some flexibility beyond that. If I were the Giants, that's what I would do. You, know, you try to reward a guy for what he's done this year. You send a message to the locker room that if you play well here, you will get rewarded. But you don't lock yourself to Daniel Jones for the next three or four years because I think you want a ceiling that's still higher than that. 
What is more interesting for you for the rest of this week? Getting set for the Bengals taking on the Bills or the Bengals' former opponent, the Ravens, taking on the contract of Lamar Jackson? I'm always going to pick the game. I just think that the Bengals and Bills are two really good teams, and I'm excited to watch that one. But I find the Lamar Jackson situation and that entire set of drama going on in Baltimore fascinating. I mean, you have this weird stalemate that's partially been created by him not having an agent, and you have this odd league-wide dynamic created by the Deshaun Watson contract and him wanting something that's in line with that, but the Ravens not willing to do something unprecedented just because the Browns did. And I understand both sides of it. I understand Lamar trying to look out for his long-term interest, but what the Ravens ultimately decide to do based on this, I mean, it's a franchise-altering decision. Do you keep him and kind of stay the course and make sure your offense is tailored that way? Do you take a really hard left turn? If you do decide to go move on from him, where are you going to get your next quarterback? Are you just kidding yourself that that guy can be as good as Lamar Jackson? And there are a dozen questions that I think both sides of this will have to answer as they figure out what the right solution is here. Yeah, and you're right. God, you can you can totally see both sides to it. I, I kind of wish Lamar had been with the team uh, when they traveled to Cincinnati, but it's again, it's not like I'm in the locker room. Um, Robert, before we let you go, and again, appreciate coming on the show. Check out the man's work at the Athletic uh, between himself, Mike Sando, so many good writers there covering it from a national perspective, or just check out your favorite team's coverage uh, of the four games uh, for the divisional round. Is there uh, which game in particular has your interest? the most Bill's Bengals is awesome I mean I love watching Luana Rumo call defense the Bengals defensive coordinator I'm curious what his plan for Josh Allen is going to be obviously we didn't get to see much of that when they played last time I was looking forward to it and now we'll get to see it actually play out but there's just something about Niners Cowboys we got to see it last year that Cowboys fell flat on their faces it was a real kind of look-in-the-mirror moment for their offense, for Dak, for Mike McCarthy. And you have Dallas limping into the playoffs. They play the worst game of their season against Washington Week 18, and we think, oh, here we go again. And then Dak comes out and plays the way that he did last night. And this team that had played well all year and looked like an elite team all year looks like it again. And now they go on the road and they play a San Francisco team that just seems like an absolute buzzsaw right now. So I am really excited for that one, and I'm honestly more excited for it than I was when I woke up yesterday. I think that the way the Cowboys looked last night kind of re-upped the juice for what that Cowboys-Niners game could potentially look like. Be honest. and Sorry, one bonus question. Be honest. What are you more excited about, Dak Prescott throwing deep to CeeDee Lamb or the Dallas Cowboys attempting an extra point? It might be a moot point because they might not even try one. They might just go for two every single time on Sunday, which I wouldn't blame them for at all. Hell yeah, Blake, just ban all kickers. It's something we've all wanted for ages. No more kickers in football. <laughs> you, you won't hear any complaints from me about that. Absolutely. Hey, Robert, again, follow the man on Twitter, at Robert Mays. Always appreciate, um, thank you so much. Always appreciate when you take time to join the show. No problem. Good to talk to you. Take care. That is Robert Mays, host of the Athletic Football Show and NFL writer for the Athletic. Um, on the other side, I do want to get into some of the crazy betting stories from Wild Card Weekend, and we will give you the latest of what's going on with the Raptors and the Milwaukee Bucks 
And is there disrespect? Is there disrespect on Vegas going on? Um, but is uh, in terms of their relationship with the Toronto Raptors? I'll explain that in a moment. But before we go, uh, producer Josh. I've never seen that where we had such a delay, and I love having Robert on. I have him on all the time. But, like, the delay sounded like he was, like, joining us from some war-torn nation that's, like, seven time zones away. The man's in Chicago. They're on central time over there. I know. I love I love when you said a joke and there was, like, the delayed laugh. I know. Robert I know. was laughing at it just a couple seconds behind. I know. So it was appreciated. Uh, nutters, nutters, nutters. All right, yeah, on the other side, the disrespect towards the Raptors. We'll do that after traffic. This is Gameplay on TSN 1050. This is found money. I want to parlay it. I want to make a big score. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew Collins. Hope everyone is having a good Tuesday. Oh, my God, is it foggy. Let me give a little advice to everyone right now. If you have a friend, a family, a loved one who is supposed to be flying to Toronto via Porter Airlines, there's an excellent chance their flight is going to be wildly delayed, canceled altogether, or they might have to land somewhere else. It is so foggy. It is like in downtown Toronto. I'm overlooking the Gardner, and it's just a little tip. When there's this much fog, planes can't land at the Toronto Island. Uh, Producer Josh, what's it like up there? Macowan in the 401. Is it as foggy when you were coming in as it is here in uh, downtown Toronto? So if you want me to be totally honest, I haven't seen any of the outside uh, looks outside of the studios. But when I was driving in, it seemed like it was fine. Just a bit of of mist on 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 the windshield there. A bit of rain falling down. Not much fog. Um, about two hours ago. So yeah, but no, you, you're right. You're you're trapped inside with no windows at all. No. Um. So yeah, you you would have no idea. It could be sunny. It could be a tornado. It could be raining frogs, and you would have no idea. I, but, uh, I would have no clue of what the uh, the weather is looking like right now. None. A couple brutal beats from this weekend, when the Chargers were up twenty-seven nothing on the Jaguars. Someone put down $1.4 million on the Chargers to win. So they were doing a cowardly bet because how were the Chargers going to lose that game? The Chargers lost that game. That guy lost $1.4 million. If he had won, it was $11,200. He bet $1.4 million to win eleven grand. What a dummy. That is Someone the worst bet- bad beat. That is. Oh, no, no, no. The bad beats are about to come. Now, some have bet 20000 on the Dolphins on the money line. They would have won 120000 They did not win. Now, here are the two bad beats. It gets on worse a, than the million? Well, not in terms of cash, but in terms of bad beat, because that was a dumb bet. Um, James Cook, the running back for the Buffalo Bills, his rushing total is 39 and a half yards. If you'd bet the over, you were feeling great. He had 40 yards rushing on the final drive of the game. He lost one yard. <sighs> under hit. But now there's this one. Someone had a parlay of Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Dawson Knox, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase to all score the first touchdown in their game. The guy bet like a couple hundred thousand or a couple hundred bucks and was in line to win like a million dollars. Oh, come five on. Five of those 
Five of those six hit. But here's what makes it a bad beat. Justin Jefferson on Minnesota's first drive on the weekend was tackled at the one-yard line, was originally called a touchdown, but was but they put it at the one-yard line, and Kirk Cousins scored one play later. Yes. That, that hurt me as well. <laughs> I, I, oh, my I was, God. If you remember from our pick and prop, I oh. was all over Jefferson. All yep. over. All over. Everyone was all over. Like the you would have expected much lost. differently. Yes. Right? Oh, I know. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why the Giants won. They were able to, they were able to bracket uh, Justin Jefferson. That one I think hurts the most because this ticket would have won a million dollars. The guy who bet on it, like I think, I think it might have been under 100, but he got five out of six, would score the first touchdown, nailed all of them, and Justin Jefferson was less than a yard away. Could you imagine if there was a better that took like Brett Maher's extra point total? Like, is that ever? Imagine if that was possible. I bet someone somewhere there, there must played. have been. Yeah, and what? And what? How many extra points did he miss? Uh, like, uh, did it go for you where it was? Ha ha! Let's make fun of him. To I feel bad for him. Was there a moment for you in that game? Well, you know it's really bad when, like, the major NFL analysts and commentators are saying, "Well, they might have to keep him here," or "Yeah, this yeah. is over." <laughs> when they're yeah. talking about his job security, like that. I know. That is when you know it's terrible. Right, yeah. but the word goes. The quote is always, "If you trust in your kicker, stay with your kicker." Right, yeah. and he's been proven to be good throughout the whole year. I just, I love the fact no kicker has ever missed four uh, extra points in a single game in the history of the game of football. <laughs> and Brett also has the record for the most sixty-yard made field goals with four as well. But. That was the minor story. The big story, the Bucks losing 31-14 to to the Cowboys. That last touchdown was cosmetic by Tampa. Dallas led 18-0 at the half, had more than double the yardage of the Cowboys. And a game that started out slow. First four possessions, 12 plays, minus two yards, four punts. And after that, it was just long touchdown drive after long touchdown drive. You can make the argument last night was Dak Prescott's best game ever as a quarterback in the NFL. And now we're all waiting. We're all waiting to see what is Prescott and CeeDee Lamb and Pollard and Dalton Schultz, who was incredible at a couple touchdowns. How are they going to do against the 49ers? There's one thing about San Fran. We saw with DK Metcalf. You can go deep on those 49ers corners. I, it's early in the week, but I think a CD Lamb, whatever the over for receiving yards, uh, Josh, might not be a bad bet. That's not a bad bet either, but you have to be tricky when you're betting on the Cowboys right now because Prescott got the pass of no, he can really control himself no interceptions at all against the Bucks, yeah. and that was a highly staked bet throughout the year wishing on his downfall unfortunately then he turns around and has a marvelous game you know they're going to be throwing the ball a ton but how much will it take if that interception happens that they're going to start running the ball because Ezekiel had what what was it, 13 rushes for only 27 yards. Yeah. That isn't good. And then Pollard, he actually had a pretty solid game. So which way do, the, do you think they to, turn towards to? Like, do you think, think they go more I, like a passing game against the 49ers yes. who have proven they can stop the pass, they have the least amount of points allowed? But what did DK Metcalf? 
You saw him burning them deep. I, you saw them burning them deep. I just, I don't think you're going to go 14 plays against San Fran. No. So while Ceedee Lamb had only four catches for 68 yards, I love the over for him. But you know what? I, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. Um, I can't believe. So the news with the Raptors game tonight is you are not going to see Giannis Antetokounmpo. He is out. Chris Middleton is out. Serge Ibaka is out. And the Raptors are still a point-and-a-half underdog. And I know it's back-to-back, but it's also a back-to-back for Milwaukee. They played Indianapolis in a game where they had to rally late to win. What has to happen for um, for the Raptors to be a favorite in tonight's game? I, I, I love Drew Holiday, but that seems ridiculous. Well, the Bucks line up without these three top players, like Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton who hasn't played many games this year. He's only played seven games throughout the entire year. And his points yeah. per game is significantly down after his, after his injury. So it's, it's really just Giannis Antetokounmpo changing the odds. What, what has to happen, you ask? Yeah. Probably score. Because the Bucks with Brooke Lopez on the inside, is going to cause problems. Drew Holiday along the perimeter. Excellent defender. You have to start shooting the three better. But the Raptors are healthy. The they Raptors are. have ever, but, but the that's, Raptors but that's no excuse. That's no excuse. No, what I'm saying the is, team. no, no. But my my point is, at this moment, at three twenty-five, what would have to happen for the Raptors to be the favorite? Like before the before the opening tip-off of tonight's game, what would have to happen? Pause. How many more? How many more players would have to be out? Would Kawhi Leonard have to re-sign with the Raptors and be in the starting lineup? With 22-year-old versions of T-Mac and Vince Carter coming off the bench, what has to happen for the sports books to say, yeah, the Raptors are favored tonight? Just a little disrespect. Possibly a Drew Holiday announced being out because he has been battling some injuries recently as well. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. If, if that happens, then they may, toward, they may look towards giving the Raptors the favorite, but it's on the road. Like They're in Milwaukee tonight, national broadcast in the United States. It doesn't surprise me that the Raptors are the slight underdog. But the line has changed so much within the start of our show, Matt. Like, if you look at the trends from oh, yeah. 2 p.m. until now, it went from minus 5 to minus 4.5 to minus 3.5, now down to minus 1.5 on FanDuel Sportsbook. So, <laughs> most of the public is still on the box, though, from what I've seen. Yay or nay to this bet, and then we got to go. Dave Pagnotta from the fourth period is going to join us. We'll talk all things Maple Leafs. Brock Lopez over, Brooke Lopez, excuse me, Brooke Lopez over six and a half rebounds. I want the over of six and a half rebounds. I am taking the over right now. All right. Maybe, just... maybe, maybe dip a little bit of money, throw some coin on his point totals of over 15 yeah. and a half. Yeah, well, I just took the over of six and a half. Coming up on the other side, who's got a better goalie situation, Bobrovsky and the Panthers or the Maple Leafs with Samsonov and Murray? We will get into that in just a moment. As I said, Dave Pagnata is going to be joining the show right after traffic, which is brought to you by JanPro, proudly serving Canadian businesses for over 25 years. Put your trust in JanPro, the leader in commercial cleaning and disinfection services. Visit janpro.ca today. Tomorrow's classic Lotto 649 jackpot 
is an estimated $5 million, and the gold ball jackpot is an estimated $14 million. Here's what you got to do, everyone listening. Text 649 and your name to 105050 for your chance to win $100 and Lotto 649 tickets with Encore. Standard message rates apply to all entries. Lotto 649, find your possible. Join me now, and it has been ages. It has been way too long. From the fourth period, it is Dave Pagnotta to talk all things hockey. Uh, and again, editor-in-chief for the fourth period. You hear him on Sirius XM NHL Radio. Dave, thanks so much for joining the show today. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, it has been a little while. Good to be on. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So we'll start with a question that would have sounded ridiculous in August, but maybe not as much in January. You can only pick... And age and contracts, everything applies. Who would, uh, who's got the better situation in net right now? The Florida Panthers with Bobrovsky or the Maple Leafs with Matt Murray and Samsonov? <laughs> yeah, the way that, uh, for the most part, that, that Murray and Samsonov have been playing this year, um, you're, you're going in that direction. I mean, you look at what Bobrovsky did last season. You look what Spencer Knight was even able to do. Um, and you figure at some point, He's going to take the reins as, as the number one in, in Florida. Um, but they both struggled. They, they, they both yeah. haven't had good seasons. So to have, yeah, Murray and Samson up playing the way they are right now, um, and, and, uh, and to this point, um, that's my pick. And it's crazy. And, again, it can change. Uh, Bobrovsky right. can go on a heater, and suddenly Florida is at, at the very least getting the first of the wild card. But as of now, I, 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 well, of course, I agree with my question. I threw it that way. But I think it's crazy <laughs> that it is. It, you could probably say Murray and Samsonov over Bobrovsky. We'll, we'll stay with Florida, and then we'll move over to the Maple Leafs and, uh, and some just general NHL. How shocking is it that, um, around TSN's uh, parts today, when there was all these emails going back and forth, we had to find out how often has a President's Trophy winning team missed the postseason the following year. And it happened with the Rangers in 92, the Sabres in 07, and the Bruins in 2014. Uh, just your thoughts on the Panthers and the slump they're on. Well, with, with the change behind the bench, with the changes on the roster, um, you, you take off. Mackenzie Weger on that back end. He was so instrumental to that blue line. You know, you, you, you eliminate Jonathan Huberto, not just from a talent side of things, because Matthew Kachuk has been fantastic, um, but, you know, a chemistry side of things. Um, in the room, it, things, a, lot, a lot has changed, and they haven't had, you know, or they haven't been able, rather, to, to kind of recreate that similar mojo. Yes, injuries have also played a factor for this team. Um, you know, Alexander Barkov has missed time with, with multiple injuries. Anthony Duclair has been out. He's not, um, you know, back in the lineup just yet. The Hornquist is now out as well. Um, so while some guys are around the team, you know, fairly regularly that may, be, that may not be playing, uh, just to, to, to mess with the chemistry of a team from an on-ice perspective is, is sometimes overlooked when you think you bring the right pieces in place and on paper things look good. And that's what Florida's had to battle with all season long, finding and recreating consistency in, in their performance this year. Um, you know, you, you, with the talent on this team, you don't want to count them out. But, you know, they, they, they still need, outside of Kachuk, who's been playing lights out, Verhage's been, been great and, and so on, um, they need other guys to really start to step up even more. And we mentioned the goaltending, but they need, 
you know, more from, from the blue line. Montour has been great. Ekblad's been solid. Maybe a little more from him. Uh, maybe a little more from the secondary scoring punch. And, and when Duclair comes back into the lineup, which is either, you know, next week or, or right after All-Star, um, you know, maybe, maybe that starts to recreate some flow and chemistry with, with this group. Uh, sometimes when you make big changes, it doesn't always work out the way you think. The Maple Leafs have two more points on Tampa. Tampa has two games in hand. They both have the exact same scoring differential of plus 30. Is it inevitable, Dave? I mean, can we just start it now? And <laughs> if you're in Toronto, should we yep. start worrying about Vasilevsky? Should we just, why wait till the end of the regular season and start our fretting uh, immediately? Right. <laughs> uh, in this market, yeah. It might even be a little late. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, I look, this is the way that these two teams are, are, are performing. It just looks like this matchup is going to be inevitable. Um, you know, I'm going to start looking at flights and, and hotel rooms soon in Tampa in middle of, uh, middle of April, excuse me. Um, but this team, uh, or both of these teams rather, it's, it's going to be like a shot for shot kind of scenario. I, I think the way things are lining up until the end of the season to see who's going to ultimately get that home ice, uh, advantage, get that number two slot behind Boston in, in the division. Um, it's, these are two really good teams. Obviously things are going to, you know, well, not obviously, but potentially change a little bit, um, and, and could tilt in one direction over the other based on what happens over these next six and a half weeks leading up to trade deadline. Um, you know, if if a team makes a major addition or even a, a small cosmetic one, it may, you know, prove to be really beneficial. So yeah, I I mean, these two teams, the way that they're lining up certainly looks like this is going to be round one. Uh, playoff potential. Um, So who can get hot quicker? (laughs) Well, I'll I'll tell you right now, when it comes to your booking and reservations, just book for seven games. That's the only right. uh, that's the right. only thing I can t- I can tell you for sure. <laughs> I remember I bet on it the playoffs last year. That this series is going seven, and uh, it was one of the easiest bets I think I ever won. Um, yep. Dave Pagnon is joining us from the fourth period and getting off um, the Maple Leafs. There are five teams in the NHL with fewer points than the Vancouver Canucks. Why is it Vancouver though is the team that feels the most dysfunctional of everyone in the league? Well, they play in Vancouver, and okay, good answer. Yeah. All right, moving on. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, look, the, the the amount of pressure. You think that you know pressures like here in Toronto or in Montreal mount and 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 can take a toll on on a team, coach, players, management, everybody. Vancouver is right up there, and they've had dysfunction for several years now. You know, things look good, and then there's a couple steps back. You move, take a step forward, and you're taking three back. Um, that just seems to be the flow with the Vancouver Canucks over the last few seasons um, and probably beyond. And this team uh, talked about consistency. You, you just can't find it. So now everything gets scrutinized. Everything gets put under the microscope. And when you know something goes wrong, it gets amplified 10 times over. Um, this team, when they brought in Jim Rutherford, who subsequently brought in Patrick Alvin as GM uh, with Rutherford as president of hockey ops, they thought that this was going to be a changing of the tide. You know, the prior regime kept talking about retool, retool, retool versus rebuild. And they thought that these guys would be able to come in and get that job done. And Jim Rutherford admitted yesterday that, you know, he hasn't been able to, well, A, he hasn't been able to do what he want, uh, wants to do. Uh, and B, it's a lot more difficult and it's proven to be a lot more difficult than he thought coming in. The minor surgery that he wanted to do 
well, it's going to require major surgery, um, as he said. So <laughs> it's going to take a lot. There, there are some good core pieces there. Um, and and y- y- you scratch your head trying to figure out exactly what's going wrong. Um, but there will be a coaching change. There will be trades. This team will look considerably different going into next season. Dave, where can people find you? Where can they find your work? Uh, well, on, yeah, online at thefourthperiod.com. Um, a little piece right now with uh, the Dallas Stars talking about trade deadline, what they're going to be up to um, every week, uh, throughout the week, and on Saturdays on uh, SiriusXM NHL Network. Uh, and then, if you happen to be listening from the U.S., NHL Network on the TV side as well uh, throughout uh, the week and probably be pretty active here in these next six weeks with trade deadline looming. Is it because we're in Toronto and in Canada here that you know we get so focused on the Maple Leafs, and then the next we get hyper. The next thing is the focus is on the other Canadian teams. The Dallas Stars have as many points as any team in the West. The Dallas yeah. Stars have a better scoring differential than any team in the West. Is is Dallas you know fair to say that they are the the most sneaky good team in the league? Yeah, they definitely don't get the attention that, that they deserve. I was there over the weekend. Um, pretty thrilling game. Didn't work out in their favor, but a 6-5 Calgary went over them on Saturday uh, where they were down 6-1 and were able to come back. You know, the depth of this team is tremendously uh, underrated, excuse me. And, you know, they came into the season uh, after signing Mason Marchment away from Florida. Wyatt Johnston has come in and earned a spot as a first-round pick. Came in and earned his position. Ty DeLandria solidified his spot on this team. This is a really deep, really good team. Their defense is really good. Essa Lindell, probably one of the most underrated uh, physical defensive defensemen in the National Hockey League. And Jake Ottinger, if it wasn't for Linus Olmark, I mean, yep. him and, and Connor Hellebuck in Winnipeg would probably be battling 1-2 for, for the Vesna. Um, so this is, it's a sneaky good team. Chatted with Jim Nill, their GM, um, on Saturday. And he said, look, if if I can find a way to, to, to make something fit here and make an ad before the deadline, I'd like to do it. So they're, they're going to be another team certainly to watch to see if they can even further improve uh, going into the home stretch. And you know what's a funny thing? And you, you're absolutely right. And you're, everything you said with the Stars is 100% correct. And I'm just laughing about this, thinking it. When Toronto Leaf fans think of the Dallas Stars, all they think of, oh, yeah, Nick's brother is doing well right. on the Dallas Stars. <laughs> That's like our only thought on the Dallas Stars. Uh, you know, we get, we get a little hyper-focused there. Hey, uh, Dave, really appreciate it. Always appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining the show. We've got to get you back on sooner rather than later. That'd be awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Take care. That is Dave Pagnano. Check out his work, editor-in-chief of the fourth period, and again, host and analyst on Sirius XM NHL Radio. Josh, I feel like we could do an entire show where we just focus on the good NHL teams that no one is paying attention to. And like, oh yeah, the Dallas Stars, like, oh god, yeah. I'm like, oh, they're tied with Winnipeg in points. They got 59 only. You know, so they're, they're tied for the most points in the West. Their they're plus 37 is uh, better than the majority of the NHL teams beyond Boston and, I think, the Devils. And yet the only thing I know about the Dallas Stars is, is Jason's brother, Nick, unfortunately, is going to be out for the rest of the year with an injury. Oh, that, those are the only storylines that we'd want to talk about. No, we yeah, have to talk yeah. about the teams that are... That are that, 
typically failing or yeah, causing yeah. a stir throughout the the NHL storylines. There, there isn't much talk about the hurricane, the hurricanes rise or no, the Golden Knights no, keeping nothing. it steady or yeah, Lightning turning yeah. back up. No, no, no. no, no we're no, talking about no, the no. the downfall in Vancouver right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Rightfully that's, that's, so, that's, because it's good, there's going to be yeah. a dynamic change very soon. Yeah, there is. What about Taze, what about Taze and Kane? Oh, wow, that's when are they getting traded? When are they getting traded? Uh, uh, Chicago is Chicago so confident that they can stay in last place that they can keep those anyway? I mean, like I, I expected, I expected before the season begun they'd be traded. I'm still expecting them to be traded. They have not been traded. Speaking of expected or unexpected. LeBron James got a very unexpected chirp last night, and it was glorious. And we'll tell you about that as part of Sound of the Day. That is coming up in just a second. You are listening to Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cos, right here on TSN 1050. Time now for traffic. This is Gameplay on TSN 1050. Double or nothing. Done. Witness. Embrace the odds. I want winners. There's a couple other storylines we didn't really get to. Haven't really mentioned because the Raptors are taking the Bucks today. There's no Chris Middleton and no Giannis. We're sort of focusing on today. But again, a shout out to the Raptors who beat the Knicks yesterday, 123-121 in overtime. Scotty Barnes, yeah, he let RJ Barrett blow by him for the game-tying end-of-regulation dunk. But Scotty, 26 points, went to uh, the free-throw line 13 times, seven rebounds, four assists, and he had four or five critical free-throws in the final minute of the game and a crazy flying dunk. A nice win for the Toronto Raptors, who are still an underdog against the Milwaukee Bucks team that also played last night and is without Giannis and without Chris Middleton. Uh, other things in the news, the Chargers have fired a coach, just not the coach you think. Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, and also the passing game coordinator, and the quarterback coach, Shane Day. So Shane Day, offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi are out, and that is not a surprise considering you're up 27 nothing. your opponent is minus 5 in the turnover ratio, and you lose the game. The biggest bummer news is Nick Robertson's season-ending shoulder surgery. He is out for six months, injured his shoulder early December against the Kings. And a guy that we've been sort of eyeing, circling, waiting, hoping for is now out for the year at 21 years old. Critical years of growth as an athlete. You know, just think of the difference of some of your favorite athletes from their first year to their second, third, and fourth, and critical time. And that just absolutely stinks for Nick Robertson. Um, getting back to the uh, the Raptors, there's now reports from Yahoo and Mark Stein that the Raptors' serious interest for uh, the listen to any serious offers for Gary Trent Jr. And we're hearing Phoenix and Orlando potential suitors for Fred Van Vliet. I'll, I'll just say this again. Van Vliet has had a lousy year shooting, but think about how much worse the Raptors would be without him. Mm-hmm. When they traded Kyle Lowry, they had Fred Van Vliet. If they trade Fred Van Vliet, who's the point guard? That's the question, Mark. Yeah. That will go for however long this goes for now. 
Like, how yeah. long is this rumor mill or these trade rumors or these free agency signings? It's gonna it's gonna go for yeah. probably the rest of the year with yeah. the, with the way the the pace is going now. Raptors are also interested in Yaka Pertle. Is there a potential reunion to help the the center front for the Toronto Raptors team? And then, how did you feel about the CJ McCollum comments that it was been crazy. rumblings of the Raptors making a deal? But he's not even near close to the team. But what is that saying now? Like, how much more does he know? Yeah, the the president of the Players Association casually mentioning that the Raptors are going to make a move, but he can't talk about it more because of tampering. Yeah, we played that on yesterday's show. I was absolutely stunned by the casual offhandedness of that clip from uh, from C.J. McCallum, who, yeah, he's with New Orleans. It's not, you know, it's not like this is coming from a guy from Boston or, say, Detroit, where Dwayne Casey's the head coach. This is New Orleans. So, yeah, no, that one was shocking. Uh, staying with basketball, let's hit Sound of the Day. Sound of the Day, Sound of the Day. Here comes the Sound of the Day. So yesterday, the Lakers beat the Houston Rockets 140-132. LeBron James, the Tom Brady of the NBA at like 38, I think he is. LeBron James, 48 points, 9 assists, 8 rebounds. He went to the free throw line 12 times. 12 times at that age, 48 points. But it wasn't all him getting the last laugh, him dominating Houston. Have a listen to second-year man, or is he, is, yeah, second-year man, Jabari Smith Jr., trash-talking LeBron James, reminding LeBron, my dad played against you. Have a listen. Hey, you played against my dad, First, your first NBA game ever, really, Sacramento. You feel old, don't you? <laughs> oh my God! Why did you do time, that to me? <laughs> oh my God! First off, Jabari Smith Jr. is sorry is a rookie, third overall pick from Auburn. But like, first off, like it was, it, it felt like very good natured. But for a rookie to do that, LeBron, I was you know kind of amazed by. But on the other level, I thought LeBron's reaction to that was great, like just it taking it, taking it all in stride. What a but what a vicious line by Jabari Smith Jr. <laughs> so out of pocket. I did some digging yeah. on this, Matt. October twenty ninth, two thousand three, Kings Cavaliers in yep. Sacramento. Jabari Smith did not play in this game. He was a DNP. So he was on the court. He was he was on the bench watching, but he did yeah. not play in that game. <laughs> of the, did, of um, the teams of Pejstojakovic and and Mike Baby, Doug Christie, oh solid team God. back then. Look at the Kings. Um, sort of, sort sort of. Um, uh, like the the problem with those early Kings teams, and this is a LeBron James issue, is that with LeBron James, it's hard to build a team. Uh, it's hard to build a team around him because it's always about we need to find veterans, we need to find veterans, we need to get this guy going right now. And, um, you know, and so teams then rush and they trade draft picks and all that kind of stuff. But, okay, whatever. LeBron James in his first ever game, 25 points, 9 assists, 6 rebounds, shot 12 of 20, 
But the Cavs lose 106-92 to the Sacramento Kings. And, yes, those Kings team, Vladdy is probably smoking a cigarette in between quarters. Mike Bibby, Brad Miller, Doug Christie, Paige Sajakovich. Oh, my God, we're out of time. We're out of time. I could easily do an early 2000. Lawrence Funderburg off the bench. Tony Massenburg, former Toronto Raptor. And the Kings have not made the playoffs since and that they, age. Oh <laughs> is it going to happen in 2023? It might. It might. It has been a while. All right, everyone. Have a great night. Tomorrow's show, we look back at the Raptors and the Milwaukee Bucks, the Maple Leafs taking on the Florida Panthers as well. That'll be fun. And, again, a reminder that gameplay right here on TSN 1050 has been brought to you, as it always is, by FanDuel. Go out, get that app, and uh, when you do, make sure uh, when you make every moment more, get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Overdrive is coming up next right after traffic.